All right, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody, and welcome to the IT Pro TV podcast. I'm your host, Dom Pizzette, back again with another episode. And in this episode, we're going to be taking a look at getting certified, which is a really big topic. You know, a lot of information out there as far as what certifications to look into and how you go about that process. So we're going to tackle it right here. And to help me here in the studio with me is Mr. Wes Bryan. Wes, thanks for joining me. Absolutely, man. It's great to be here. And uh, I'm a pleasure to be a uh, pleasure to be if I can even speak, right? <laughs> uh, glad to be a part of this one because, uh, you know, uh, this can be a daunting task at where to get started. So hopefully we will have a lot of good information for everybody. Absolutely. It can certainly be confusing. So we're going to take a look at all that right here. Now, most of you guys know Wes. Uh, Wes is one of the other hosts at IT Pro TV with me. So we, we create training content all the time. And that means that we've got the the, the chance to see a lot of this stuff uh, that, uh, you know, all the certifications are out there, what you have to do to get ready for it and so on. But more importantly, we, we've kind of been through it ourselves as we've gone through and, and got certified. So those are all topics that we want to tackle. And instead of just rambling on about it here, why don't we go ahead and, and get started? And I want to start with what kind of seems like a, a simple topic for us, which is simply how do we pick which certification, right? So um, let, me, let me start with a story, right? And we'll get your story on this too, Wes. Is sure. I remember back when I was in college, and I, I went to college for uh, political science, right? Because I wanted to be an attorney. And I, I, I changed my mind as I was rounding off that degree and decided to switch to IT. And I switched over to, to CIS. So I was doing a, a CIS degree. In the meantime, I wanted to get a job in IT. And I, I was already working in computers from kind of a hobbyist or amateur standpoint. And I wanted to get a job, but I didn't have a lot of documented experience beyond my own work. You know, and, and on a resume, when you put, hey, I work for Don Company, that doesn't carry a lot of weight with a with a potential employer. So I decided that I had to get certified. And the way I picked which certification I went to was I, I went down to the local bookstore. I think it was a Barnes & Nobles or a B. Dalton bookseller or something like that and went to the IT book section and just kind of looked for who had the biggest book and kind of built my knowledge around that and, and picking the right cert. And that's not necessarily the, the greatest way to go about it. Um, Wes, I... How did, well, actually, what was your first cert? My first cert was the uh, CompTIA A-plus certification, very first one I ever took. Uh, and uh, I can tell you that one was scary. Now, I had the benefit that I actually had some, uh, I had a company that I went to, and they helped me out. They had a career path uh, laid out for me. Uh, still didn't know exactly how to get certified at the time. But, yeah, that was my very first one, and I came from the fast food industry. I had been the one that you would have drove, you know, up to the drive through and you would have heard me, hey, welcome to such and such place. <laughs> this is Wes. How, how can I help you? So uh, I had no experience and certainly. Uh, you know, as wanting to transition into IT, I couldn't put uh, fast food restaurant management or commercial painter. So uh, it was it was kind of like diving into the deep end for me as well. Yeah. So hey, how did you how did you pick your first certification was the CompTIA A plus, right? And how did you pick that one as your starting point? Well, one of the big things was is uh, knowing what the track was, uh, and that that more than anything was uh, is what helped me out because if you're not if you're not aware, right? CompTIA is A plus. This is an entry level fundamental IT exam, and uh, that might be right for you. But I know Cisco, and I know you're heavy into Cisco. I know Cisco's got CCE and T, and that's also Cisco's entry level certification, but Cisco's entry-level certification, according to the path that I wanted to go down, wasn't the right choice for me. So I needed to learn the foundations and the basics in jumping into IT before I could move on to some of the mid and higher level certification exams. Yeah, and it, that's tough for a lot of people to figure out where to start because it, it depends on your experience, right? And if you have absolutely no experience and you try and jump into something like the, the CCNA, it, it assumes you already have certain knowledge. A lot of certifications assume that you've already been working out in the field, right? Uh, where I see this the most is Security Plus. 
CompTIA Security Plus is very popular right now, and a lot of people want to get into the security industry to work, right? That, that's a, a, a great industry to be a part of. It's growing very, very fast. There's a lot of jobs that are out there. People want to get in there, but Wes, do you remember what's the what's the expected field experience for somebody doing Security Plus? Uh, Security Plus, they're talking about a minimum of two years uh, recommended experience in a security-centric environment. So by that time, you know, all the fundamentals that you need to learn in just to get into network, that should already be past knowledge. At that point, that's assumed, and they're already assuming that you've been two, two years in the industry in security as well. Yeah, and so the question that I usually get from people is, how am I supposed to get to the job? If the job requires me to have experience, but I can't get experience because I can't get the job if I don't have experience. It's like the chicken before the egg argument, right? And what I always tell people is they're not saying you have to have two years of field experience. They're saying you need to have the equivalent of two years of field experience. Exactly. You might have been doing this as a hobby for 10 years, right? And so you've got the equivalent of somebody who had been doing it full time. Or you took a class, you hit a book, you studied, and now you have the equivalent knowledge. But that's assumed knowledge. And so when you see a certification that says you need two years of experience, that should be a warning sign right there that it's not an entry-level certification, that instead there should be somewhere else where you start. And there's certifications like the A-plus certification where it, it says um, if you pass the exam – that by passing the exam, it shows that you have the equivalent of it, it's six it used months. To, it used to be six months, but now they bumped it up to 10 to 12 months because of the ISO accreditation that they got it. So it's a little stricter today. Yeah, so that, that right there shows you how, how we kind of have to be aware of the certification that we're picking. You might want to get into security, right? That's the field you want to be in. And so you go and you do some research and you find out what's the, the biggest, highest paying security certification out there. And uh, I don't know what it is, maybe CISSP, right? That was really popular. Yeah. So you say, I'm, I'm going to go and do my CISSP. Well, that is not an entry-level cert, right? You you have to have a documented five years of experience in order to take the exam. and a, Or I think anybody can take the exam, but in order to get the cert, you have to have five years of experience. So that's something that you want to look into. You want to make sure you pick the certification that's right. And we normally recommend A+, mainly because it it doesn't have a huge expectation of you to have experience. And it covers a lot of foundational knowledge. And I, I used to gripe about it a little bit because it focused so much, you know, over half the, the certification was based on hardware. And so you learned about video cards and processors and PCI slots and motherboards. And to me, that's just not really relevant information anymore. I mean, it's, it's rare that you buy a tower-based computer anyway. Better yet, change a card that's inside of it. So they kind of... Seemed a little dated, but a lot of that's changed recently, hasn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, and I think you're right, too, in some aspects, the fact that, you know, a lot of people are doing warranty work, unless you're working directly for a place like HP or working for Dell, where maybe you are a break-fix technician. Yeah, it, it can seem that, but it is interesting. I was the same one. I was one of those ones that said, no, the, the heck with A+, plus. I want to jump right into Security+. Yeah. Plus. And I remember opening the book uh, for Security+, Plus, and I didn't even know what a server was. So it wasn't <laughs> a good place to start, for sure. Yeah, and in the, the newest version of the exam, they've actually added a lot of security in there and a lot of networking in there, and that's really relevant knowledge. That's stuff that, that a lot of us are going to use. So definitely a great place to start for people that don't have a, a ton of experience. And then as you move from there, you kind of start to pick your specializations. If you want to focus on networking, you start looking at Network Plus and then the Cisco CCNA. Or if you want to go into security, you start looking into Security Plus or Certified Ethical Hacker and those guys. All right, so Wes, let's, let's, uh, let's fast forward a bit and say, all right, I... I've now picked the certification that I, I want to take, right? And so let's, um, I don't know, for argument's sake, say it's going to be the, the Cisco CCNA, right? So I, I want to do that. And you can't just take the CCNA exam right off. Well, I guess you can. There is that composite. But there's a, a CCENT you have to do first, right? So there's a prerequisite. 
and I want to go and, and take that exam. So what is our test-taking experience going to be like? Uh, well, you know, the first thing I, I think is, uh, well, i got to understand who is the exam scoped to. So if I know that if it's even right for me and if we've determined, then that's it. Uh, one of the things that I do is uh, look up vendor information. You know, uh, if you have an exam out there that you're going to take, uh, whatever vendor is offering the exam, uh, whether it's CompTIA, whether it's Cisco, like in this example, I usually go up to the one of those vendors' websites and uh, I find out understanding what the skills that are going to be measured and the objectives that you're to see on the exam because it helps you to get prepared not only to pass the exam but so that you're not blindsided by certain uh, topics that you're like I, I really didn't know that that was going to be on the exam so that's one of the first starting points is going to the vendor's website and figuring out what they require as knowledge for the exam yeah and and the exams themselves are all pretty much delivered the same right there's this one one organization called pearson view and Pearson View has kind of cornered the market on computer-based exams. There's uh, Sylvan Prometric, or I think it's just Prometric now. Uh, <laughs> companies buy each other and sell each other and so on. But uh, Prometric and View, those were kind of the two big ones for testing. But I think we've seen just about everybody switch over to View these days. So if you want to take a Microsoft exam or a Cisco exam or a CompTIA exam, you're normally going to go to View's website, right, which is just VUE.com. And actually, you know, here, while I'm, while I'm talking about it, we can bring it up on my computer uh, or at least I say we can, but uh, um, so I'm going to bring up, this is, is view.com, V-U-E.com. And when you go to their website, you can go down to four test takers and it'll let you pick what exam it is that you're looking to take. And it might be a, a Cisco exam or Microsoft or whatever. And they've got a huge list, just all the different organizations they offer exams for. It's massive. I mean, th this is what this company does. So they've really kind of specialized in that. But when you pick something like Cisco, for example, which I eventually will get to, uh, you can go through and pick which exam and you'll find all sorts of information right here about the exam itself, like whether it is a 80 question exam or a 40 question exam, whether it's a two hour exam or a one hour exam, but they're going to keep things pretty literal right here. But on the actual vendor website, and they've got links to the vendor website is where they'll have more information. Like, is that exam about to retire? That, that happens a lot. I, I know, um, uh, I was just talking to a gentleman the other day about Security Plus, where Security Plus is about to have a refresh towards the end of the year. So if you're studying for Security Plus right now, that's great. But if you don't take the exam in time, new objectives come out, and now you got to take a different exam that you might not be prepared for anymore. So we got to make sure that we're aware of that. And going to a vendor website is a great way to find that information. But it'll also tell you the, the format of that exam. And there's a couple of different formats, but the most common one is simply a multiple choice exam, right? So you get a question and then four or five possible answers, one of which is going to be right. Now, I remember when I was in high school and I loved multiple choice because you could usually, usually use like process of elimination to trim off two or three answers and you were left with one or two. If you just had one, you knew the right answer. And if you had two, well, then you'd have to pick between it. But uh, these exams are a little more challenging than that, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. Um, today they got, uh, you'll hear the term thrown around there, performance-based questions. And that typically means, uh, some of you maybe have heard this before, first thing that comes to mind is simulations. But simulations is going to be where they're going to put you into a scenario where you're going to have to perform some task and you have to get in their hands-on, whether it be an interface uh, in an operating system or in the case like Don's mentioning here, Cisco, might be uh, uh, you know the, uh, the, the command line, for instance. Uh, other performance-based questions are things like drag and drops, where they've got a series of tasks that need to be um, performed sequentially, and you have to know those tasks and put them in the right order. And, and that's uh, really, um, sometimes it's tricky, but it's, it's good to keep the integrity of the exams up.
Yeah, absolutely. And, and another thing to be aware of is uh, there's different types of questions, right? So we got multiple choice, there's performance based, there's drag and drop, there's uh, um, multiple answers too. Oh, multiple answers. Right? Choose all that apply. And they'll give you 10 things and you got to pick. And some vendors will give you partial credit if you get a few right. Other vendors say, no, you got to get everything right or you get no points for it. So that, that kind of impacts things. Uh, so there, there's that. Then there's also how the exam's actually proctored. When you sit down at the computer and you start going through the questions, some vendors like Microsoft, they'll let you mark questions. So if there's a question where you're just not positive, right? I picked option C, but uh, D might be right. You can mark it. And at the end of the exam, you can go back and check it again. So you can spend a little more time. And that's really important because you may not know it now, but you may find something in a question down the road that helps remind you. And you're like, oh, oh, it actually was D. And now you can go back and you can correct it. But not every vendor does that. Cisco is very famous for this, that in, in a Cisco exam, when you click next to go to the next question, that's it. You can't go back to any previous question. So you either know it or you don't. When you're looking at that question, you have to move forward. So that's all information you want to know before you go and sit down in that test booth and, and start to take that exam. Yeah, definitely. And you know, the time frame too, because uh, uh, exams will have many different time frames. I know some of the server exams that I've taken before, I've had four hours that you could take the exam, <laughs> where some of the client exams, it was, uh, it was just under an hour. I've seen some that are 90 minutes. So uh, de definitely finding out beforehand, because you don't want any surprises when you get in the exam booth, realizing that I got 100 questions, but I got 40 minutes versus 70 questions that are four hours. The complexity of these, uh, the questions and how it takes you, you know, how long it takes you to uh, formulate the answer could be the difference between a pass and fail. Yeah, you know, those Microsoft exams, right? They, they give you four hours for the exam. That, that's a ton of time. And so what I would usually do with those is I would go through all the questions really fast, answering the ones that I knew 100%. And then I would go through the exam a second time, just hitting the ones that I, I wasn't sure on, that I had skipped over before and answering them. And then I'd go through a third time just to hit the ones that I absolutely had to make a decision on. You had so much time. But on a Cisco exam, for example, you might have 90 questions and only 90 minutes. You get one minute per question and you got to move pretty quickly because if you fall behind, you you don't get to questions. If you don't get to a question, you get it wrong, right? Which we certainly don't want. So that's all information you've got to have ahead of time. So you get your head, you got to get your head in the game, right? You've got to know what to expect. When you're taking a test, the challenge should be whether you know the topic or whether you know the content or not. The challenge shouldn't be your ability to interpret how the testing center works or how that, that, you know, how a multiple answer question works. You should kind of already be prepared for that. And there's practice exams that can help a lot with that. If you do, um, uh, transcender practice exams. I know we use those a lot. There's measure ups. Another one yeah. measure up. Yeah. There's uh, there's several vendors that are out there. And the nice part about using those exams is they, they give you that idea of, of what it's like in the testing booth and whether you're ready, right? It's an assessment. I was going to say, you know, one of the things that I think about, too, is that, you know, uh, comparison to like a multiple choice and a multiple answer, uh, the buttons are different, right? And you have to know the difference between a little radio button, a circle with a dot in it, and a square that's multiple check marks. Because if you get if you get one and you don't pay attention to keywords, you might just mark a single answer when it really was a multiple answer question. And you end up getting it wrong just because you weren't prepared. And that's one of yeah. the good things about those those practice tests is it does. Well, it kind of exposes me some, to some of the concepts I'm going to see, but it also exposes me to good test taking skills too. So uh, remember that your practice exams don't only help you to practice the information on the exam that you want to pass, but they also help you to uh, practice good test taking skills too. All right, Wes. So let's say that I, I've been looking and I have found a certification that I want to do. I, I want to get my CCNA, right? 
And now it's time to, to sit down and study. So what, what advice do you have for people that are, are interested in studying for an exam so they can go and take it? Well, you know, I've changed over the years because uh, when I uh, when I first started out, uh, it was a lot like uh, you where there were books, right? And some people are hands-on books. And I usually, what I'll do is just kind of go through the material that I have, whatever the material. Let's say it's a book, uh, uh, exam cram out there. I've used things like Mike Myers in the past. You know, I'll go through the whole entire book and I'm going to, I'm going to read, uh, just read through the information. And if it's a book that I own, I'm going to do some highlighting and stuff. And then that, that's usually the first part is just kind of get acclimated to what the material is, even if I don't understand it and then just take bookmarks uh you, you know for the stuff that i don't understand that i have to go back a second time and say well i'm not really sure what this information is but i can go back and study it yeah and so uh you know going in and studying that's one big part of things right that, that we need to do but the other thing that i find is a challenge for me is that when it comes to studying for an exam that's one part of your life but then there's this whole other part of your life that's out there right you know maybe you have a family you've got kids maybe then you just have a dog you have to take care of or other responsibilities. Maybe you're just now getting into IT, and that means you you have a second job in, in another field. So the big challenge for me when I choose a certification is to make sure that I set aside time for it, that I schedule it. And so that's one thing I know Wes and I have talked about it before is that I'm very regimented in how I study, that I always say, like, I'm going to dedicate one hour a day every day to studying. And then when I'm when I'm really serious about a certification, what I normally do is one hour a day. And then I take Saturday and I take Saturday and turn it into a work day that I normally work at say uh, nine to five or eight to five every day. Right. So on Saturday, I'll set aside eight to five and I'll study like it was my job and I'll, I'll study and put in the same amount of time that I would when I was at work. And that way, one hour a day across the rest of the week, that's six days, or maybe you take Sunday off or Saturday or whatever day it is that you choose to take off for each week. Uh, so you get five or six hours there and another eight hours on the weekend. That's that's like good, solid 12, 15 hours, depends on how you do it, right? Uh, of study time and it's spread out in a way that won't burn you out. And by mixing the book read versus the hands-on type stuff, you can keep it interesting, keep it exciting and make sure that you stick with it. Because a lot of people, they start out really hardcore studying like crazy and they burn out and they never take the exam. And that's really sad because you, you put a lot of work in, you got to you gotta get in there and take the exam and get the cert to show for it. Yeah, and I've asked you the same thing before because I know there's, you know, I've struggled with many exams. I've failed quite a few exams in, <laughs> in the past. And I know that I've come to you in the past and, just, and you've given me that same advice. Uh, push this time and I'll tell you, I'll say, okay, well, this is what I need to accomplish. And then this is the time frame that I need to accomplish it. It's like, well, one hour is not going to do it. You're yeah. going to have to bump that yeah. up to two hours. So it also uh, takes a deadline. You, the other thing I was going to say is as, as time has changed, right? Uh, we have electronic format too. And some people don't like electronic format. They do like their bookmarks, but I'll tell you, I, I was one that first, I didn't like the electronic format until I learned control F and I could find just about any topic in an instance without having to flip it. So uh, again, um, here's the other thing that's changed. Uh, when I first started out, it wasn't as e it wasn't really easy to put a lab together. Today, that has definitely changed. So you can really get the hands on today just by virtualization technologies and technologies that are available out there that can also couple whatever you're reading with with that hands-on experience too yeah and i was you know you mentioned failing in there i, I want to double back on that because that's important is um i've taken a lot of exams i know you've taken a lot of exams over the years and and sometimes you don't pass it, ha yeah. it happens right sometimes yeah. you, you take an assessment and you think you're ready to go and you go and you take the exam and you don't pass um it, it happens to everybody sooner or later i know i've i've taken 
I don't even know if I could count how many exams I've taken over the years. And, um, and I, I've, because, you know, what happens is you, you take an exam, you pass, you get a certification, but then you have to renew it over time, which we'll talk a little bit more about later. But, uh, uh, but over the years, I've had a few that I, I, I didn't pass. And when that happens, there's a couple of different pieces of, of advice that we can give there. If you don't pass an exam, to me, the most important thing is that you immediately reschedule your second attempt, right? Some people, they, they, they fail. Mm-hmm. And then they get depressed and then they don't reschedule and time goes by. And what's going on is you've got a lot of information that's fresh in your mind. And the more time that goes by, the less likely you're going to be to go and take the exam. And even if you go and do it, the information is not as fresh anymore. So you're actually going to do worse the second time than the first. So if I ever don't pass, I immediately reschedule the exam. And if I only missed it by one or two questions, I'll, I'll reschedule it within days. Uh, but if I know that there's work I have to do, if, I, if I, I miss the mark by a large margin, then I'll schedule it a month out. But the important part is to schedule it because that's going to give you focus. It gives you a deadline. It says, all right, I got to keep going. I've got to keep studying each night. I got to keep practicing to make sure that I'm ready. Otherwise, you lose that focus. And like you said, by actually scheduling the exam, it lights that fire under you. So you you have to get back in there. The other thing I like, you know, I don't like failing exams. Let's let's make sure I don't say it that way, uh, is I look at practice tests, right? And practice tests kind of gauge where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. And then you go back and you study those areas. If I fail an exam, I consider it a pretty accurate pretest or practice <laughs> test. I kind of know exactly where my weak area is. So one of the things that when you do happen to, if you happen to uh, fail an exam, a lot of the a lot of the vendors will give you a post exam score and you can kind of see the domains that says, oh, I see nine areas in this one domain that I got to go back and check so I can tell I'm weak in that area. And what's more accurate than the, the real exam? Yeah. And I, I know I, I like it when you get that report back that tells you where you're weak or where you're strong. Some vendors have, have kind of moved away from doing that in any great detail, though. So you end up with this, this uh, you know, one that's maybe based on domains. So you take the Security Plus exam, and it says that you're weak in network security. And that's that's it. That's all they give you. So, all right, well, what was it? Was, was it firewalls, uh, routers? What part was I weak on? And, and you don't know. There's other ones where they're much more specific. So hopefully you get that. Well, Hopefully you don't get this at all, right? Hopefully right. You, you, you pass the first time you take it and you don't have to worry about it. But don't be discouraged. Make sure you get back in there because at the end of the day, you really need to get that certification because that's what goes on your resume. That's what gets that attention out there. And it's it's ultimately what we're all trying to achieve. Most definitely. And don't don't think, uh, you know, that it's a reflection of like you, your abilities. Because um, uh, you, you can get in that mindset, like Don said, where you just get a little trigger shy and you don't want to go back in there. And the more you start to doubt yourself, uh, you know, the more what if scenarios come in your mind, you end up, uh, you can actually psych yourself out of doing a good job on the exam. So uh, the, the big thing is, you know, if that happens and you go back in the exam, uh, and maybe that's the first time you've even been in the exam. I know that sometimes I've thrown myself off on an entire exam because the first five questions I didn't know. And I, you, you think, oh, I, I'm prepped, I'm ready. And then you get these five questions. So don't let like questions that you don't understand, don't let it derail the rest of your performance. Uh, if you have the ability to do a mark and review, do the mark and review because sometimes questions, the way they're formulated down the way, actually answer questions before that. Now, I know in the Cisco exams, you certainly don't get that luxury, <laughs> uh, but in sometimes, you know, just those strategic test taking abilities can really mean the difference. If you're if you're right there on the borderline of a pass or fail, it can set you over the line there that uh, can, um, you know, can make you pass. But ultimately, you want to try and study it to knock it out of the ballpark, not just barely pass it. All right. Uh, last thing I want to talk about, Wes, before we wrap up on this one is 
continuing education, right? I mentioned CE uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, a lot of certifications have moved to this new model where it, in the olden days, you'd get a certification and you had it for life. So um, I, I did the A-plus exam back in 1999 and I passed it. And so now I'm A-plus for my entire life until I die, right? Well, on my A-plus exam back in, in 1999, it had Windows 95 was still on there. Windows 3.1 was still on my exam. Uh, you had technology that is completely obsolete and irrelevant today. So the fact that I have an A-plus from 18 years ago is not is not a, a representation of what my current skill set is. And uh, the vendors out there and the employers out there found that to be true is that, hey, I might be an MCSE, but if I'm an MCSE under NT4, how's that going to help me when we're running Windows Server 2016? So we need to make sure that we've got relevant current certifications. And the way you do that is by retesting. So if I get my CCNA, my, my original CCNA, I got back in 2001. Well, I've had to take the CCNA exams every couple of years, every time they refresh, because I, I was a Cisco instructor, so you had to do it. But now you have to do it because the certs expire. After two years or three years, a lot of vendors will expire your cert and you have to retest. Well, retesting is kind of annoying because the tests are expensive and sometimes the tests are really hard and you don't want to take it again. So the majority of vendors out there have created continuing education paths where if you achieve a higher level certification, it'll renew your lower level certs or there's other things you can do to earn credits that count towards renewing the cert and showing that you've kept your skills current. So that's something a lot of people have had to to work with. And, and Wes, I know you know more about it than I do, right? Yeah, I, I used to teach uh, in, in, in the industry as well. I mean, I guess I'm still teaching kind of in the industry, but, uh, and I remember that, that transition because I have a lifetime, I've got three lifetime certifications and I'm kind of the devil's advocate on this one. I didn't really care that they went to the continuing education unit because like you said, uh, and you guys know, technology, progresses so fast what you knew six months ago could be absolutely irrelevant today uh, but yeah it, it is that way so like take CompTIA for example uh, you know if you take an A plus certification it's about to expire and you go in and take a net plus certification and you pass it that net plus certification its passing date will also reflect your A plus because it's considered a higher level certification uh, other things that you can do too uh, is is get in the industry uh, attend a class you know um, attend a, a, an industry certified type meeting and stuff and you can maintain it uh, with uh, relevant technologies that let you know that you, you know you're competent in the current technologies and that really if you look at it it maintains the integrity of the tests uh, uh, with their certifications Donna I mean how many times have you had to retake just a single entry-level exam that uh, you could probably pass with your eyes closed but you had to just to prove that you knew the knowledge yeah, and you know what I've done over the years Wes and it's almost embarrassing is I, I've let some certs go just because I, I didn't necessarily need that because I had higher level certs that showed, uh, you know, that I had that knowledge set. So, for example, um, Network Plus, right? Network Plus, great certification. I, I passed it when it originally came out back in 2003. Or, it was earlier than that, 2001. It was, it was a long time ago. Um, and over the years, you know, they switched that CE model where you had to do continuing education. But... At this point, you know, I've got my CCNP with Cisco. I've got Juniper certifications. I've got certifications with a number of networking vendors that show I've got more than Network Plus's level of knowledge. So I've, I've kind of exceeded the usefulness of that, that cert. So 
you just let it expire, right? That that happens. And that's not uncommon in any industry. You know, I think about it if I go to, uh, you know, my primary health care f- physician, my doctor, right? I don't ask to see the high school diploma that the doctor had. I would just hope that they're <laughs> board certified. So you can see why in a situation like that where you progress higher, you certainly don't ask the doctor like I said, the doctor for uh, their high school diploma, you want to see the PhD on the wall or whatever the medical doctor. And so you can you can uh, achieve a certain point in your career where the lower, and, and that's not to demean them or by any means, but the lower level entry certifications are no longer relevant to you. Uh, and technology changes. I look at some of the, uh, the, the client exams that I have. Yeah, Vista is not really going to be something that I <laughs> intend to see too much. So it's one of those things where if you want to stay current, you got to get in there. This is an industry that changes. So you got to be willing to change and roll with those punches so that you can progress. You, you can succeed and continue to succeed in this in this industry. Right. Yeah. And those entry level certs, their purpose really is to help you get a job. Right. So you're getting into IT. You need the entry level certs to show that you got the skills to get in there and, and work. Once you get to the more advanced certs. Those are to help you move forward in your career. And so you're, you know, you're moving into more advanced positions or, or taking more responsibility in the company, maybe even moving into management. And so you don't need the entry-level certs anymore. They, they just kind of go away and, and you don't hang on to them. Uh, but as far as the more advanced-level certifications, you're constantly looking for new things to learn because you've got to continue expanding your skill set. You might be a, a Linux master. And that's great, right? You've got your Linux Plus, or you did LPIC 1, 2, and 3, 4, or however many there are now. Uh, so, you know, you, you do all those certs, and that's wonderful. But if you're not starting to learn about cloud technologies, then soon your Linux experience is not going to be enough, right? Enough to show that you're a, a capable employee, that you have that knowledge set. So we've got to constantly be looking for new certifications to pursue that that line up with what our goals are, with what we hope to achieve, and and keep us basically in the career that we want to be in, not in a career that we have to be in because we've only got a certain level of cert. So those are all things that we need to think about as we go and get certified. And those are some pretty common questions that Wes and I both get from people out there in the field. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I just recently did that myself because, like you said, you know, the, the common uh, place today is in the cloud. I didn't have cloud certification. So I, I want to sit on on this side of the desk and say that, hey, here's the cloud technologies <laughs> of today. I better prove that I know them. So uh, it, it's something that we deal with. Uh, you're not the only one. And that's the other thing, too, that, you know, when it comes to your support out there, there's communities out there of people that are also testing with you uh, that you can you can kind of piggyback off and you can you can learn additional things that maybe you didn't know and maybe you didn't think about uh, prior to going into that exam booth. So just, you know, be prepared. Yeah. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's probably a pretty good spot for us to wrap this one up. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. You know, we we had a chance to talk a little bit about what it takes to get certified, how we pick a certification, and then the ways that Wes and I study and then turn around and get certified. Those are all things that uh, you need to be aware of. You need to be thinking of as you do your certification pursuits. And so, uh, you know, uh, from me and everybody here at ITP TV, we wish you the best of luck in your studies and, and hope that, uh, you know, you've got all the resources you need to be able to get out there and, and be successful. That's right. Don't just uh, don't just uh, pass it. Knock it out of the ballpark. All right. Well, thank you all for watching. Signing off for IT Pro TV. I'm Don Pazette. And I'm Wes Bryan. And we'll see you next time.